Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today on Barca Talk, FC Barcelona holds open training for the fans and there's news of Denis Suarez potentially moving to Great Britain. Barca B and the women both drew their first matches back from the holiday and Messi and company grinded out a 2-1 win in Madrid against Hetafe. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me as always in Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. Feliz Dia de los Reyes to you and to fellow Kules. Feliz We're that. Back, <laughs> We're back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you know, I've been working on my Spanish. We'll, we'll get to that later, but how you been? How was your holiday? Uh, good. You know, we've been, we're still on holiday. <laughs> right, true. <laughs> I, we have, yeah, we have till Tuesday, so that's nice. Uh, today is Dia de los Reyes, so it's kind of the big holiday here. It's when all the kids get their presents. But yeah, the holidays have been good. Uh, went to my cousin's house, um, had th- uh, Christmas there, New Year's was good. So pretty good, but most importantly, Brian, I was able to disconnect, which was really nice and actually really kind of relax here. How about you? What's going on over there? Oh, well, actually, I was just... Uh... Looking at my Christmas tree, which is now naked, we I convinced Megan that we needed to take down Christmas sooner rather than later. Apparently, if left to her own devices, uh, the the apartment would still be decorated with uh, Christmas things. So we're we're now officially Christmas free, except for the tree in our living room. When you just look at it as a tree, it's so weird to just have a tree in your living room, you know. Like, and I don't mean like a potted ficus. I mean, you know, this is a tree. It it looks like it came from a mountain. It's weird <laughs> to see it in your living room. But uh, that was so Christmas was nice. New Year's was nice. On Christmas Day, we went ice skating and I ice skate at this point once a year. So as you can imagine, I'm pretty on fire on the skates. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, get, I get out there and I hold on to the rail for a little bit and then I try and get my bearings. But I'm... I, I got a lot better, and I only fell once, strangely, while I was still holding on to the rail. It was just, oh, just yeah. one of the things where my feet just sort of went out from under me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you, have any, did you have any muscle soreness the next day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. But I didn't go too hard, and we've talked about maybe hitting the ice again. I have a good friend who's – he's from Connecticut, but he's he has a very strong connection with Canada, his – his mom and his mom's whole side of the family is very Canadian, so he's a big hockey guy. And, I mean, Connecticut, there's a lot of ice and snow up there. I mean, he grew up by a lake, so he can just fly. And he came over for New Year's Eve. We were talking about ice skating. He's like, yeah, we should hit it, you know, wait for it to get cold. We should hit the ice. I said, yeah, yeah, you should <laughs> just don't be kind. Just be kind. <laughs> yeah. I I'm out there kind of like just waddling just sort of like scooching yeah. along the ice <laughs> i've been ice skating forever man I, I maybe more than 20 years but i do like it uh do you have any did you make any resolutions any major resolutions for this year well okay here's the thing i'm i'm weird i admit it and i don't like to make resolutions 
having said that, I made one. I just don't want to call it one. Gotcha, gotcha. It's, and it's not like you. a big thing. It's it's more just like a little thing because I was uh, making. I got making this Christmas present. It's this really cool device. It's a a coffee mug that keeps your coffee hot. It's called an ember. Mm-hmm. And so it charges on the, the charging station for it. It looks like a saucer, and it has these two little pins that come out of it and that connects with the uh sort of receiving ring on the bottom of the mug and so the pins are springy and one of them almost immediately like as soon as she opened it and charged it for the first time it lost its spring now apparently this is a really common problem with the ember which is a a new device so they're still working out the kinks but they all she did was wrote them an email and the first response was okay we will send you a new a new thing But in the meantime, I was Googling ways to just repair it, Mm -hmm. which involved soldering. And that's one thing. Like, I'm pretty handy. I can build things. I can, you know, I can definitely hang things. I can do some in-home electrical work. Uh, You know, I've I've been sort of a handyman at times in my life. I'm fairly handy. But soldering is one thing I just do not know how to do without getting solder everywhere, without just making a mess of it. It looks like a kindergartner's project with the glue. So my one thing that I want to do in 2019 is learn to solder. That's a good, that's a good resolution. I like it. Yeah. It's simple. It's easy. Yeah. You know, it's very achievable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have and also I like been, it. you know, changing up the diet, working out more, but that's not a new year's thing. I was doing mm. that before. I like, it cause it's a self-improvement when I'm always about the self-improvement resolution. I only have two very quickly. They're very simple. One is I want to improve my Spanish more. So I'm going to get a Spanish tutor to push my level even better than it is now because I can definitely communicate, write and speak and listen and do all that. But I just want to get even better. I think one of the last kind of things that I need to get better at is telling stories in Spanish because Brian, I'm a pretty funny guy. And in English, I'm, I'm unstoppable, but in Spanish, I still kind of limit myself with my storytelling. So I want to get better at that. And the second thing is I want to play football more, soccer more. So I'm going to try to get more routine of that and trying to maybe play every Monday on a, on a team or something like that, because I've missed playing. And uh, especially here, there's so many opportunities to play. And so I'm going to try to take advantage of that. That's really cool, man. I, I would also like to play more soccer this year, but it's hard in Buffalo. There's just not a lot, especially for a guy my age. There's not a lot of over 40s pickup games or there's barely any leagues, I don't think. I mean, I can I can hang with slightly younger guys, but I mean, I've never in my life been fit. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the cool thing about here, I don't know if I told you before, but we have this app called Tim Pick and you can just find pickup games every day at any time, which is really cool. And you just pay uh, three euros up to three euros a match. And it's nice because you don't have to have that uh, commitment to a team, but you can just play when you want. So I'm just trying to do that more often. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. There's there's a group in the soccer in uh, San Francisco called Soccer Fours. Which is that's the very first time that I played soccer as an adult was I was already like a good bit into my 30s. It's a really cool organization. They basically they just get a big field one night a week and then they split it up into four, at least four, I think maybe even six really small fields. And then you just you just sign up. It's so it's or it's pickup, but it's organized. It's like you sign up and you get assigned to a team of four people, four or five people. If you have five, you can do some subs. And then it's just four on four. It's all attack, no defense. It's just a lot of fun. 
but uh, there's nothing like that in Buffalo. Maybe I should start that. Among the other things that you want to do, right? So you can yeah, start that. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I can't even, I have so many projects in my mind. I'm, I'm actually trying to, I'm right now starting to develop a very long-term project that would be related to my, um, my musical activities uh, and essentially trying to change the world for classical music in America. You know, no big deal. <laughs> so that's a project no i'm working on <laughs> and i got this wedding thing happening it's two weeks away megan and i are going to san francisco we're celebrating our our marriage with our family and our friends at anchor brewery the place i used to work and so we're still in the midst of finalizing all the details and organizing everything we're walking through we're sort of figuring out how the ceremony is going to go and we're talking about vows now and we're paying for things and and I have a serious problem with my suit which is that it does not fit. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I took the pants to a tailor. They're letting it out all the way. I still don't think it's going to be enough. I'm I think I'm going to have to wind up renting a suit, which is a bummer. Mm, yeah. Cuz for me it's like the mark of a grown man is that you own at least one suit. And I own two, but apparently neither of them fit, so they're no good to me. Mm, yeah. That, that is a good mark, you know? I mean, hopefully you get that figured out because, you know, uh, you want to be comfortable, especially on that big day, for sure. Yeah, like I got a girdle just to see if it would help. <laughs> a man girdle. And? I'm not ashamed to say that I got it. Well, it didn't really do much, is the thing. Uh, <laughs> it can only do so much. It can only do so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like I said, I've been feeling really good physically the last couple of weeks because I changed up my diet and I've been exercising a lot more every day feeling feeling really good actually so speaking of working out and training let's talk about fc barcelona let's do it the athletes who we actually you know we really care about their physical <laughs> attributes <laughs> i doubt any of them are worried about fitting into a tux no so what's uh what's up with the uh, the news so here, you know, we were talking before we started recording, you know, it's been a very, very slow week here in Spain, especially since La Liga is still on break and every, all the matches are resuming today. But, um, you know, I guess the major one for me was the Reyes practice that FC Barcelona has every year, which is, I think, is a really nice way to connect to the community. They always have this open training for families and children, and they allow the, you know, the kids to come and it's a really cool thing and they actually do a full training session which is really cool and they were able to do that they played a uh, scrimmage and on top of that the players handed out you know gifts basically you know fc barcelona merchandise autographs and that type of thing and so for the for the children that maybe can't afford to go to the game it's a really great way to connect and then on top of that um barcelona does a great job of sending the players to the local hospitals as well in that moment to kind of lift the spirits of the kids who are sick and so forth um, and also the other thing too, which was pretty funny, Brian, was that Madrid was playing Villarreal the night before and Santi Cazorla scored two goals. And during the opening training session, they were chanting out Cazorla, Cazorla. <laughs> so it's always funny, you know, and they were interviewing the children too on the news and they were saying, you know, what do you think of the open practice? It's like, oh my God, this is great. And they're also, we also want to say thank you to Santi, you know, for <laughs> two goals last night. So it's just funny how Madrid is always on the mind of Barca and Barca is always on the mind of Madrid, you know? So it's kind of funny that way. So it was a really cool thing. You can check it out online. You can see the full practice 
And the other thing too, Brian, if you see in the practice, Messi scores this amazing volley goal. He gets a pass from Ter Stegen because they're playing on a short field. Right. And without even looking up, he just flips it over the goalie. <laughs> one touch, like nothing, you know, it's, it's so great. You know? So all the players really enjoyed it. They got to put on a show and obviously the kids really enjoyed it as well. That's cool. You know, that reminds me that, the last time I went to Barcelona, I went right around this time of year and they had this event that I didn't know about until I got there. And I think I went the day, I think I went the day of, or I was looking into it and it was like, you know, it's at the, at least the year I went, they did it at the mini study. And so you still have to get tickets, even though it's an open and free event, but you, there's, you know, there's only so many seats, right? Totally sold out. And I was really bummed because I, I was looking forward to the game we were going to go at, see at the Camp Nou, but it would have been, you know, you, you get so much closer to them. It's not a real game, but you get so much closer to the players. I mean, you know, we had decent seats, but it was still pretty, uh, pretty far off. So I think that's it's a really cool event. I'm glad that they do it every year. And I uh, yeah, I wish I, I wish I could have gone that one time. Yeah, you have a good point there, the way that it's a closeness because it is in the mini study. You know, you have that proximity. You know, I was thinking maybe they could do it at the Camp No, but it, it kind of loses that allure because they're kind of far away, you know? When I went to the the last time I was in Barcelona, I went to the Feminine match. That is the one thing that's really cool about the mini study is that you're literally right there. Like, I could spit on the field if I wanted to, you know? Let alone seeing the training session, I would, as a kid, I probably would have lost my mind. Yeah, it's like going to a, <laughs> it's like going to a high school game or a, maybe exactly. a small college game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. to be that close to those players and, you know, not being a rich person who can't afford to do that on the reg. Exactly. Exactly. Because the tickets are expensive for sure. Yeah, that's, so. that's really cool. And uh, there's one other item. What else is going on? Yeah, the other latest rumor here is Denis Suarez going to Arsenal. You know, they're with Denis not getting that much playing time. Um, there's been rumors not only in Spain, but also in England about the connection with Unai Emery and him having... Uh, interest in having Denny Suarez, I think it would be a really good fit, actually. I can almost kind of see Denny Suarez, if he went to Arsenal, to almost have a similar career as Fabregas, you know, because he's kind of in a similar type of player. And I think he could really benefit from the English game and also just gain a lot of opportunities with Arsenal because Arsenal doesn't really have a midfielder that could, uh, you know, that's a superstar per se that I, that I would think of like the last 10 years as they did before. And I think Denny's would absolutely have a really good opportunity. And if he was able to start, maybe showcase some of his talent. But I think, you know, if Arsenal give us a good price for him, I think they should definitely pull the trigger on it. Yeah, well, I heard that a, a number of British clubs were interested in Denny's, including Watford, Everton. Uh, I don't think Man City is interested in getting him back, but the club Barcelona is looking to get at least 10 million euro for him, which I think he's, he's worth on this, on the current market that that doesn't seem like a stretch. I think that's a bargain, you know, especially yeah, if you, for Arsenal, especially that they're kind of a younger team. He could definitely be there for five or six seasons for sure. And definitely really, you know, develop into a really good uh, center mid or midfielder for them, especially under Emery. He has a relationship with him. And I think Emery was looking for, a, you know, a really good kind of tactician midfielder. It's funny because I was watching the Man City Liverpool match over the week 
I think it was Wednesday night. It was a really good match. You know, it was kind of hyped up because you have two giants playing in the, in the Premier League. And one of the things I noticed, you know, when I'm watching Premier League football is the, the lack of first touch by most of the players, you know. And I think that is one benefit that Spanish players, when they do come to the Premier League, like David Silva, for example, that they kind of bring this first touch ability. And I think Denny Suarez could really uh, have a good career in the uh, in the EPL for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an advantage that you that really shines in the Premier League, whereas in Spain, even in lower tier teams, you got guys with an amazing first touch. There's just something about the Spanish style, like the the touches are better. I mean, of course, as you go down, if you as you go down the table, right to the lower teams, the the first touches get a little less consistent and they aren't quite as tight. But you know, at top players like that, I mean, even Dennis, he's still a top level player he's just not quite right for Barcelona apparently or Valverde just doesn't like what he's seeing I don't know what it is exactly but he has all of those attributes that when you take him out of Barcelona you put him on Everton you put him on Arsenal you put him on Watford he's going to look amazing with that first touch and that's also going to help him because the Premier League is a much more physical league there's a lot more emphasis on the on tackling essentially and in your challenges so if you have that first touch and you can protect the ball better he can he's going to get fouled a lot at least at first but he'll at least get the fouls he'll get the calls he'll get the free kicks and and all that sort of thing and um, as long as he can physically withstand it then I think it would be a good move for him you know it's funny like when you watch Barcelona when they're just playing from the midfield and the back how easy it looks you know the way they just kind of move from side to side it's all because of the first touch control and it just looks so smooth but like what i like i said when i was watching the liverpool manchester city and they were doing the same type of idea it just doesn't look as smooth because not all the players have that first touch ability now going back to what you said denny suarez's background you know being la masia he learned these type of things and i think he would i mean man i could i could you know i could really see his career definitely parallel fabregas if he's given this opportunity and, and runs with it all right well We'll see how that develops, and the window is still open for the remainder of January, so there's still plenty of time for that to happen. Although, as we know, as history would indicate, the odds are that uh, everything will close up on January 31st, the very last day of the window. But in any case, uh, let's move on to talk about the Barca Talk Awards. You know, forget the Ballon d'Or, forget FIFA's Best Awards, forget UEFA's Player of the Year, La Liga's Player of the Month, forget all that. Next week, we're going to be giving away the Barca Talk Awards. These are the definitive awards. They're scientifically validated. You cannot argue with them. They are undeniable. We've been compiling the data and crunching the numbers. And actually, I was initially planning that we would uh, bestow these awards in the last episode. And then I was thinking we would do it this episode. But, you know, science takes time. (laughs) So we're still crunching the numbers and compiling the data. And next week, we will unveil our awards for the year so far. That's right. Scientific method does take time, Brian. You know, we did we did our hypothesis first, and then we did the the experiments and everything. And now we're we're fine. We're piling up the the last results. So yeah, and um, it turns out houseplants like Led Zeppelin <laughs> and Mozart. Go they do they do they do so we you know we put it to our patreon members and on twitter as well for these awards we have the primo football award the ham award the best save of the year award and last the best newcomer of the year so uh if you have any nominees mail it to us on our website you can contact us there 
I don't mean literally mail it to us, but you can send us the link for YouTube and we will take a look and then we'll add it to our scientific research. We really should get a, a physical address. You know, we should get one Barca Talk Plaza <laughs> <laughs> in the nether sphere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so next week, Barca Talk Awards. Uh, secondly, Gabriel, how many days is it until we're going to be in Barcelona? 89 days, sir. 89! Yes, can you believe it? The countdown. I Honestly, I was just telling you before we started recording that I can't even think about that yet until this wedding thing happens on the 20th. But come 21st, I'm all about the Barcelona trip. We have our flight booked, so that's set. We still don't have a place to stay, but I think we'll we'll be okay on that. And we also don't, Megan and I do not have tickets to the game yet, but we are... Uh, we are in talks. We will. Yes. We will have tickets to the game. Yes, we are. We are efforting that on all you know fronts for the tickets. But yeah, eighty nine days to Barcelona. Um, we'll be there with some fellow members of the LA Pena, and also we're going to be there for the Atlético Madrid match, and then we'll also do kind of a live party event after the match. So that's definitely going to be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, and if you want to join us, there is a link in the description for this episode that'll. Uh, take you to a travel package that you can you can get which includes flights from just about anywhere in the united states tickets to the match sightseeing tour camp new experience the whole thing so if you're interested in that just follow the link in the the, uh, in the description for this episode welcome back to barca talk the barca women returned to action on sunday in a barcelona derby against espanol at the joan gamper stadium and their eight game winning streak ended in a scoreless draw on account of an ultra defensive espanol that the barca women just couldn't crack but they're still in second place back from atletico by three points now meanwhile barca b drew castellon one-to-one on sunday with a goal from alex collado the youngsters are in sixth place in their division of Segunda B, and we will have more on Barca B next week. All right, now before we get into the Barcelona match against Hetafe, I want to briefly talk about the La Liga action because Real Sociedad beat Real Madrid 2-0 just before the Barcelona match, and I watched a little bit of it. Did you watch any of this match? You know, it happened, I was going to, I actually got some food and they were playing the, the match, and I saw the penalty from Real Sociedad, so I knew they were already up one nothing. And of course, my friend Luis, who's also a diehard Barca fan, he just wrote to me at the end of the match saying, "I love Real Sociedad." So I knew it was a good, it was a good it was a good uh, result for Real Sociedad for sure. Yeah, and then they got that other goal after I think it was after Lucas Vasquez got uh, ejected. Mm-hmm. So it was bad bad news for Real Madrid in their uh, their home stadium, even. Yeah, and then there was nobody there either. You know, at the beginning of the match, I don't know if you saw the crowd shots. There's, yeah, they're they're in big trouble because they have no identity. Uh, Bale seems to be getting hurt all the time, and no kind of cohesion to the team. It's tough being Real Madrid in a post Cristiano world. Yeah. It is. It is <laughs> post Cristiano Real Madrid. But anyway, uh, let's talk about Getafe. So this uh, was the two one win in La Liga at the Coliseum. Alfonso Perez. And overall, you know, a good result. It was uh, the second half was much more boring than the first, I think. I mean, you know, when I looked at the the fixture for this weekend, you know, and I, when we saw that Hitafe was on there, I knew this was going to be a tough match because it always is a tough match. You know, they always play as tough there. And also it just seems that the ref always allows them to play as physical 
to the borderline as possible, you know, and that was definitely, there was, you know, last year, Paulinho saved us, you know, it was a difficult match as well at Hitafe. And this one was no different. And again, with the weather, the timing, the Sunday, it looks like we have been on a two week holiday for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it certainly showed. Um, so lineup though, pretty, pretty standard, standardized lineup. Sergio Roberto's back in after, uh, being injured for a little while. So, Samedo finally got uh, sidelined for the first time in a little while. And then PK and Longley and Alba. So that's, you know, that's our standard back four now with Mtiti still, you know, essentially trying to stave off surgery. Yeah, the other the other one, too, was that Sergio Busquets was ill, so he didn't start. And obviously, uh, Artur took his position, which I thought was a good move. Obviously, it's a good fit for him. And, you know, uh, I, I was definitely satisfied with the starting 11, especially with Dembele, Messi, and Suarez always getting more playing time lately. Yeah, and so Messi starts off the scoring uh, with the first the first goal, and that was... I, I loved that goal because it was uh, it was sort of like a... It was deflected. It was a pass that was, I think, more or less meant for Suarez from Arthur, but uh, got deflected. But Messi runs onto it and then pops it through the goalkeeper's legs, Soria, and then he's on to an open goal. Yeah, exactly. You know who would have been super proud of that goal would be my mom. Yeah, because it had a lot of hustle. <laughs> it did have a lot of hustle. He did not give up on the play. And, of course, the angle was super tight, and he was able just to slot it through. You know, if you look at the replay, there, there could have just hit the post, you know, if he just hit it a little bit too soon. But, of course, Messi timed it perfectly, and it was a really nice goal. And especially the buildup before that, you know, they were pressing. We were pressing. We were definitely having a lot more opportunities, especially Dembele on the wide and, you know, with this play, Messi was able just to come through again. It's one of those things with his, you know, since he's kind of a shorter player, his lower center of gravity, he's able to keep his balance and just kind of go through. If you watch the replay too, the other Hitafe players look at each other kind of, I thought you had him. I thought you had him. <laughs> <laughs> he scored the goal. So that seems to always be the case with Messi. He's, yeah. he's making defenders blame each other. Now you, exactly. you also have a, a fun stat on this goal, don't you? Yeah, because, you know, before the match um, in the news today, they were talking about how Messi has started off the calendar year the last four years with a goal. And of course, he started this one. So I think it's four or five straight years that he started the calendar year with this, with a goal for Barcelona. That's very cool. And then Suarez gets the second time and the second goal, I mean, and this one, I we've talked, I've I've certainly brought up a number of times just how good Suarez is on the volley. And that's part of what makes him such a deadly striker, uh, particularly with his finishing is how good he is on volleys. And I mean, this goal, it was the second ball coming out of the box, originally blocked off of a messy free kick. And he, I mean, he, luckily for him, you know, Suarez, he had all the time to line up his shot. He was under essentially no pressure, but he just kept his eye on the ball, watched it drop and put a burner in from outside the box. That was a beautiful goal. Yeah, it definitely was. And more than anything, just the, that he was standing still, waiting for the ball to drop. It's a really hard thing to do, to have that patience. And not only that, but just to clinically finish the way he did. It went through a bunch of trees, you know, went through a bunch of Hitafe players, and it fell in the back of the net, and it was just a really well-placed goal. You know, I was thinking about this while you were speaking about how this is the perfect game to have Luis Suarez in because of the physicality, the runs that he made. And then of course the volley he did for this goal was just magic. But, you know, that's why going forward, Luis Suarez is going to be a difficult player for us to replace because when it is a physical match, he can 
matched those defenses and he was giving them such a hard time and he was definitely uh, backtracking a lot and also obviously with the with the physicality that Hitafe was trying to bring uh, Suarez did not back down now those were the bright spots for us and I think there were some other bright spots in you know um, isolated places Dembele had a great a lot of great moments although he didn't he didn't score. He didn't quite get any assists, but I, I thought he looked good in, in places. But the opening 15 minutes, it's like you mentioned, you know, going to that stadium, playing away at Getafe is always tough. They always play tough. And they had, you know, if if the Real Madrid game was poorly attended and no one was there, which you could kind of chalk up to the uh, the holiday, right? This mm-hmm. was not the case for Getafe. Their stadium was packed and it's not a tiny stadium i mean and we know that there's a certain proportion uh between their fan base and their stadium size but man they were packed to the gills and for the most part their fans were were really up for the game and in those opening 15 minutes they were really frustrating barcelona and barcelona were sort of retaliating in a way they were committing fouls like dumb fouls i mean this reminded me of an nba playoff game where a team that is you know far superior, you know, on paper, you try to employ this tactic where you just try to be as physical as possible and try to put in the ref's hands to see how far you can go. Because, you know, this is what I would do if I were playing against Barcelona, if I had a team like Getafe, if I knew I was, you know, on paper talent, you know, they were far superior. I would try to employ this tactic because you're just trying to scrap up a win, a tie, you know, this type of thing. And so again, like you said, the first 15 minutes, there were silly fouls. And as you can see towards the end of the match, the ref had to really make these tough decisions. And it went into Hatafe's advantage because some of our players were getting really frustrated. Like Rakitic at the end was getting frustrated because he was getting hacked. Of course, our tour was getting hacked all over the place. And, you know, when there's so many fouls happening, the ref is not going to call every foul because he doesn't want to stop the game. So again, he Hitafe just keeps pushing that limit and they definitely benefit. Just like you said, with the crowd, the calls that they were getting um, and also just the counter that they were doing, they were definitely giving Barca a hard time. Yeah. And uh, I believe the commentary I was listening to uh, mentioned that the referee for this match, it's his first year in La Liga. So we, we've talked about how the La Liga refs don't have a whole lot of support. They don't have a whole lot of training uh, outside of, the matches that they play. So La Liga refs aren't the best in the world necessarily. And when you get a first, you know, a rookie in his first year refereeing and he's dealing with that particular match, you know, that can be difficult for him as well. Definitely. And the other thing too, is, you know, home teams always are going to get more calls anyway. So that's, you know, like I said earlier, that's the tactic I would employ against Barca. Just they're a, our fast, you know, quick passing team. So you got to hold them. You got to tackle them. You want to really make them feel your presence. And that's what Hitafe did. So you got to give Hitafe's coach a lot of credit for the tactics because, you know, they were able to come and make the the game a lot closer than it should have been. Yeah. And, and so in the 43rd minute after we'd scored our two goals, Hitafe comes back and they score, well, one goal to try and to try to mount a comeback. I mean, this is the kind of the theme that's been happening. You know, when, when we go up to nothing, we just become super lackadaisical on focus on defense. And I mean, how quick did they score this goal back on the back end of two nothing, you know, within minutes. And it's the same thing. It's just bad marking kind of passing the blame I got through ball that or a pass that came through and Ter Stegen not being aggressive enough to relay on that play. And, you know, for me, again, it's just, you know, the tougher games are going to happen. We have to clamp down on defense. We shouldn't just let other teams just waltz through 
and make this type of goal so quick. Because again, when we're playing more difficult opponents, this could easily be 2-2 or we can be down 3-2. Right. And tactically speaking, this play that resulted in Hatafe's goal, it was essentially the same play that they had tried at least one or two times before. In the ninth minute, it was a very similar situation where Hatafe nearly scored on it, but it was called off for a foul, where they put the cross into the box from left to right with someone running in behind Jordi Alba. And uh, in this case, it finally paid off because Angel actually got in behind Jordi. He got his foot to the ball and he played it back across goal for Manta. Whereas like in the ninth minute, it was just straight to Angel and he and he got it in goal, but it was called off for a foul. So it very easily could have been a draw. No doubt. It could have been 2-2, I think. But, uh, you know, that first one was called off. But this, you know, the second one, they caught us out. They get that runner in behind Jordi Alba. And so just like you said, it's, uh, you know, bad marking as you're coming back towards goal. Like generally we have good marking when in in different positions. But when they're throwing crosses into the box, we're not great at marking as as runners are coming in i mean especially when we're running backwards you know and we're and they're on the counter it's really difficult especially alba being short in stature when that ball clears pk and long it's you know it's 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 almost an advantage for the other team because of alba's height usually alba can get to those balls but it was a really good cross by hitafe and then they were able to put it through again when you watch the replay they all kind of look to each other and to me that just means really bad marking on all fronts so it's not just alba's fault on that it's everyone but also it just starts with the midfield to just to put a little bit more pressure not to let them waltz through i mean we you know as we talked about all season we get into this mode where we already think we have the match uh you know wrapped up it was two nothing at that moment about what four minutes before halftime you know, it's a different feeling when it's 2 nothing at half as opposed to 2-1 because Hitafe still believed they had fight and they had a chance for the for the points. Yeah, and now what can you say about the second half? Because, I mean, com- especially compared with the first, but overall, just as, a, as 45 minutes of football, it was, you know, it was similar, right? Hitafe were playing their game. We were trying to play our game. Uh, I think Hitafe, like you mentioned, they were they kept pushing that envelope as far as the physicality, the challenges. The referee was letting them get away with it a lot. So, like you mentioned, Arthur was getting hacked a lot. He wasn't able to operate as effectively as he would have liked. Although I gotta say, like if there's one thing about Arthur that really impresses me is how he can possess the ball. He still isn't quite positioning himself so that when he receives the pass, he has a lot of options per se, or maybe that's more of a team issue. But once he gets the ball, his ability to hold on to it, and that's what draws those fouls, is really still, um, I'm very I'm very happy to see it. I'm still waiting for him to kind of develop into the squad, but I like I like the way he possesses the ball. Yeah, and he uses his body really well, especially the way he does his little pirouettes, you know? Yeah, that's it. And- yeah, his little pirouette, you know, that, that and, rambling but, thing I just went on. That's that's what yes, I was trying to say. <laughs> yes, yes, his pirouettes. Uh, the Javi pirouettes are the best. You know, those are the best. And on top of that, I think it's just you know, like you said, the second half of football was coming back from holiday. Essentially, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what it was. We our fitness wasn't as good. They had more chances. 
it was going back and forth. We didn't have a great flow to the game. There was a lot of counters on both teams and it, you know, could have gone either way. We could have scored two more goals and Hitafe could have scored two or three, two as well. But luckily we were able to hold on to the points because getting these points, especially with Atletico and Sevilla's outcome and also Real Madrid, it just gives us some more distance. Yeah. And there was that one moment when Messi was essentially unmarked in the box, the ball came to him and, you know, nine times out of 10, he would have scored on it. But that one time he, he shot it right at the goalkeeper. Yeah, and he also had another great shot, too, from outside the box that came through where Dembele had a chance to put it through, but the Hitafe defense recovered quickly. But, you know, all in all, like I said, I'm happy with the result just because coming from Holiday, playing in a tough place in Hitafe with the, the physicality of Hitafe, and more importantly, just no injuries and, you know, getting those three points. Yeah, now I also have a, a funny statistic for you. For me, it helps kind of put the whole game in context. So Hitafe are the lowest possession team in La Liga, while Barcelona are the highest. And of course, that was reflected in the match. But but that does not mean that Hitafe were feeling like they were missing the ball much, right? So Hitafe saw hardly any of the ball. Barcelona had the ball a lot. But I think both of them were very comfortable with that. They were both sort of playing their game because Hitafe is used to not having the ball. Definitely. And also, you know, when you're not used to playing the ball, you just chase it and you want to play the counter. And that's what they did, you know. Um, that's a really good stat. But, uh, you know, I think more importantly, getting Artur back in the fold and also Coutinho back getting some playing time. I want him to get some more playing time. And, then, you know, like I said, we had some opportunities. We chalk up to these three points and then hopefully next the next match will play a little bit better, a little bit sharper. All right. Now, also, I think Ter Stegen does deserve a word because speaking of how this was a win that could have easily been a draw, he made that great save. It was in the 59th minute off of a header from Cabrera on a Hatafe corner. It was close range, a really good header. I mean, it was more or less right to him, but he did have to make a reflex save. He had to move. And I thought that was a great moment for Ter Stegen. So, you know, kudos to him. Yeah. And the other thing, too, was that it was just really bad marking on too, you know, because he was wide open. It was, it, it basically was like a train corner kick. Essentially no <laughs> one jumped up and he was wide open and thank God we had Ter Stegen there to block it. And like you said, it a great save, you know, having Ter Stegen is such a nice luxury because he is definitely a top four goalkeeper in the world. He doesn't get enough credit for how good of a goalkeeper is. I mean, obviously we know how good of a passer he is from the back uh, you know, I was kind of scared there for a little bit in the first half when he got that kind of knock, you know, yeah. when he did that, I was like, man, do not break your ankle. <laughs> but seriously, but, yeah, but he was able to, it looked like it was just a bad knock. And on top of that, you know, he always comes up with one or two saves a game and he is vitally important to our defense. One other thing, it was late in the game. Um, I don't think it was for any, any big tactical reason, but Alenia did come on for Arthur, but overall, I, how do you think Arthur did in this game? Yeah, I mean, I was pleased. You know, I like when he's in there. We talked about if there's a direct correlation when he plays in our possession statistic. And, you know, just like today, we had a strong possession game and he started. So, and I know that he had more to do with that because he was in the Busquets role. But I do definitely like him in there because I just think he gives a little bit of a calmness to the midfield. And on top of that, just the way he kind of is able to do, like we talked about, the pirouette shield and then turn and then give it to the other side. I think that is something we've been kind of lacking because a lot of times we'll go backwards, back to the defense rather than midfield to midfield. And so 
you know, I definitely think he's going to get more playing time. But again, we're such a deep team that not every player is going to get the maximum minutes. I mean, only Messi, Suarez, Longley, PK right now at the moment in Alba. But everyone else is interchangeable for sure. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I do wish that when he uh, did the pirouettes, if he could work on... I don't know if this is something that you can develop or if it's just one of those matters of luck or fortune. But uh, And again, maybe it's not fair to compare him completely to Chabe at this point. But when Chabe would pirouette a player, he would essentially turn him around so that Chabe would be facing forward and the defender would be behind him. So now Chabe's got all this real estate in front of him and he can be more dynamic and make more forward passes. Whereas Arthur, he, he tends to go more to the side or he's going to learn come back. I mean, he can transition it laterally, but he's. I, I think he could start trying to think about how he can play the ball forward more and more positively. I mean, that's the next step. You know, right now he's doing the pirouette to hold on to the ball and to give it back to our defense or the next midfielder. Obviously, that's probably the next evolution that'll come. I mean, he's just trying not to make a mistake. Right. So before, before he can make these daring attacking plays, like he needs to hold on to the ball and not make a mistake so he can get more playing time. And then eventually that'll come right because we can see glimpses of it sometimes he's trying to make that through ball or that kind of chip through ball that he's trying to do but also he doesn't want to dare it because he knows the percentage is really low so i think it'll come but also i just think he needs more playing time and more stability yeah and And he doesn't want to go to everton so he does not want to go to everton that's the other thing (laughs) wants to stay on at barcelona exactly now to, to sort of close things up looking elsewhere the uh sevilla atletico madrid match uh was a little bit before they got a 1-1 draw and so that leaves Atletico stuck at 35 points in second place and now thanks to this win Barcelona's five points clear at the top of the table not bad <laughs> yeah not bad not bad to start off I watched a little bit of the match it was a kind of you know uh, Atletico scored on a free kick from Griezmann which was a really nice one I missed the Sevilla goal but the, the second half was pretty much a stalemate they both didn't want to make mistakes and they were both kind of happy with the draw so that was really good for us and then obviously like we talked about Real Madrid losing so you know I couldn't have asked for anything more we got the three points no injuries and on top of that, like I said, you know, it, it looked like we were on holiday, you know, <laughs> yeah. the fitness and the way we were kind of focused, you know, and, you know, just look to improve from this going forward for next weekend's match. Yeah. And not just next weekend, but on Thursday, because we're back into Copa del Rey and now we're getting into the later rounds. We're playing Levante in the first leg and we're going to be in Valencia for that match. And I think I feel like I know where you stand on this. Uh, I think you want Valverde to keep the Copa del Rey squad, the the secondary squad, the B squad, more time for players like Malcolm, um, I guess Semedo at this point, now that Sergio Roberto's back. Uh, who else? Munir, I guess. Coutinho could at least see more minutes. Yeah, he could. I mean, I, I definitely want the B team to play for this one just to give them something to fight for. But again, I could see Valverde using the A team as well to try to kind of gear them up for the season, especially for the next three or four matches that are coming up just to kind of get them back into match fitness faster if they play another Copa del Rey match. So I can see either way. I obviously know my preference. I want to go B team with the whole, you know, like you said, Munier, Malcolm, uh, you, you know, Artur maybe again. Um, depending on Busquets' health. And so, again, I, I'm interested to see how they line up. And, again, it's going to be a tough match because Levante has nothing to fight for right now except for Copa del Rey. Right. And, they're you know, they're not a bad team. They're sitting in 10th in the in the league. So, like you said, they have they got no uh, 
they got nothing to fight for there really except to just stay mid table but i don't think they're too worried about that as far as silverware goes though if they're still in the copa del rey they're going to keep fighting for it exactly this is their super bowl so they're going to put you know they're going to go for it all the players are going to be up for it because they know it's going to be a national televised uh game as well so the players of levante are going to try to show you know basically spain um what they can do and you know this is a great uh, showcase for these players of levante to show kind of what they can do and maybe if other teams are scouting them then they can get a on another team so we'll see what happens yeah and as far as our lineup goes one thing is certain in my mind Rakitic will play <laughs> <laughs> also Silicon. so those two things yeah we can almost <laughs> we can guarantee Silicon and Rakitic I'd, I'd put money on that and then at the weekend we're playing Ibar and that is the 19th match of the year so that would officially put to bed the first half of la liga and they're in 13th place right now ibar i was really expecting them to do better this year because they've been doing so well the last few years i was kind of hoping that they would keep trending up uh so i guess it looks like they're a little bit stalled but they're still not a bad team yeah especially you know they're they're going to be a tough team because they know what they do well and they know what they don't do well so they're always a tough team to play and um you know just like Hitafe, they're going to be physical you know and they're going to try to pull and hold us as much as possible to limit our passing. And hopefully, you know, with the Copa del Rey match, the next La Liga match will be even sharper than we were today. Yeah, and at least this match will be at the Camp Nou rather than on the road. Yeah, that's a good thing because, you know, that pitch in Ibar is very difficult to play. In. And with the Camp Nou space, it'll give us more opportunities to open things up and to get more passing and get more spacing. Yeah, look forward to that. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners, so go to barcetalk.net slash support to see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support. And Visca Barca. Podcast Network.